All right, we recording? Okay, everyone, welcome back to the On The Fly podcast. Today we have me, Josh Bassesi, we have our CEO, Sean Lacey, and then we have our VP, Zach Owen. And today we would like to welcome our special guest, John McCabe. I'm very close with him, actually. I've known him my whole life. He is in my uncle, in fact. And we've become very close over the years as I've become more and more interested in his career. Specifically, he's a real estate investor and he broke the chains of the nine to five like we all would aspire to do. And he eventually made it his full time career. So with all of that said, I would like to ask first off, Uncle John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. This is going to be fun. I'm excited. Yes, Absolutely. sir. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. No problem. No problem at all. All right. So to get it started, I just want to ask, what what path did you take exactly going from school into work, maybe? And then how did you transition out of that work into full-time real estate investing? If you could give a general idea of what path you took. Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a little bit of a story. Um, and so I went to the University of Akron. And in order to uh, pay for school, I actually had a uh, lawn and landscaping business. I, and I started that when I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old, mowing grass in the neighborhood, mowing lawns. And um uh, you know, that grew. And by the time I was in college, I had all my roommates working for me. Um, and we were, I don't know, we had two crews going. Uh, and I made a, a critical mistake in my business. I was young and didn't know uh, any better, I guess. But I uh, subcontracted a bunch of lawn mowing accounts from a big uh, landscape co- uh, architect out of, out of Green, Ohio. And anyway, long story short, we were mowing grass um, and he stopped paying. But I kept mowing the lawns because he kept stringing me out and telling me he was going to pay and telling me he was going to pay. And at one point, he owed me a boatload of money. It it, was a lot of money back then uh, to a 20-year-old. It might have been 10 or 15,000 bucks. And I didn't know what to do the whole time that he was stringing me along. And so I kept taking, I don't believe you can even do this anymore. Uh, This would be on the things not to do uh, portion of the show. And that was, I was taking cash advance out of the ATM machine on credit cards in order to pay, to bridge the gap. Cause I didn't have any other money. And this guy owed me all this money and I saw gas and, and equipment and I, I was paying my roommates to mow you know salary or wages and all that long story short i was just about uh done or i was done I, I i pretty much hit zero or far below zero because my rent was due it was it was probably december and i was out of work because lawns had stopped growing we finished cleaning up leaves and doing all that in november and and I went to pay my rent by taking a cash advance on that last credit card. 
and it was on campus. It's, it was where it was in the student union, the old student union before you guys had a nice uh, new student union. But long story short, the ATM gave me the big no, no can do. I, I, I was I was done. So I remember walking back and I headed over to my landlord's office because rent was due. And I just told him, I said, hey, um, I got I don't know any money. I'm broke. Uh, this is the story. This guy owes me all this money. And uh, guess how much he cared about the story? None at all. Nothing. He did not care uh, the reason. And he said, well, it's real easy. You know, your parents are co-signed on this uh, lease because I was a student. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and call your parents. And I was like, please, I'll do anything. Do not call my parents. I did not want them to know that I couldn't pay my rent. And I said, I'm out of work. Do you have any work? And he said, as a matter of fact, I'm rehabbing a house uh, not far. It turned out to be uh, not far from where my parents live. And so I was already, I had my classes stacked, um, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, I stacked classes and I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so I went to work for Dave. He was my landlord. And, um, and that's how I paid my rent off. And that was kind of the very beginning, um, you know, of, of where we went, you know, of my intro to real estate. The cool part of that story is, is that Dave's still still a mentor to me to this day. You know, this was probably in 1996 that this happened. And so, I mean, we're pushing 30 years and I still talk to Dave. Dave's in his 70s uh, and he's a great guy. He's a great friend. And he kind of taught me all about um about really his niche was student housing at the University of Akron and, and that's what he taught me. He also did a lot of, I should say, he had a lot of student housing, but he also did, he, he did flips and he all, back then, you know, he had a lot of long-term um, buy and hold rentals in Summit County. And so every time I had a, uh, a question, you know, I would just, I would drill him. I would go, I didn't own any real estate. I was still broke at the time, but I would, know where his office was and i would go to his office when i saw his truck there and when he was in there paying bills i would sit down at his office and i just start asking him questions how'd you do this why'd you do it that way what about this what about that so that's that was my very first introduction to real estate that's kind of my very very beginning and that's a great story thank you for sharing that and it's kind of funny how you went from your landlord telling you, I don't care, figure it out to then becoming a huge mentor for you that you still talk to this day. So can you, can you tell us a little bit, the work you were doing for him, what did that entail? <laughs> it's hilarious because he laughed. I mean, to this day, like he, he, you know, I was scraping wallpaper off this old house. Uh, I was, I don't, I'll never forget like every day, you know, he had the water shut off and it was next to the fire department of this house we were rehabbing. And so every day when I get there, I would uh, go over to the fire department and they let us fill up two five gallon buckets of water. And I would bring them back to the house, clean two buckets of clean water so that he could use for drywall mud or cleaning up tools or whatever it was. So I'd start every day and I'd go over there and I'd get two buckets of water and the, uh, and the firemen would be in there and they'd be like, 
still working on that house huh? i was like yeah we're working on it and so i would just do menial tasks i had no idea what i was doing um he taught me to uh you know they had rehung the drywall in a closet and i remember he gave me a bucket of mud and uh and a taping knife and he's like okay let's see if you can't finish this drywall and i went in there and and uh he just I came out and he's like, that's, I forget how he said it. It was something about like, I was stealing. And I'm like, stealing? What am I stealing? He goes, you got all the mud on you and you think you're going home with all my mud. You know, because I, I it was a mess. I just made it, but anyone in there, he's like, get out of here. And he just finished it real fast and cleaned up. It was, it was in a closet, so it probably didn't matter much. But uh, yeah, I would do anything. I would, I was, I was, uh, fixing cracks in drywall. I was just learning, cleaning up, you know, whatever, whatever. And I worked with another guy um, too. So there were three of them and I would just do whatever they yelled at me to do. So, and I, and it, and it, I didn't lose, I didn't get thrown out. So, you know, it worked out. It worked so out. So John, it sounds like you started uh, in real estate from the ground up. So I'm sure you have a pretty good understanding of what it's like to get down and dirty in the, the deep part of those, those hands-on tasks. How did you transition from that role into the role that you are in now? So it took quite a long time. It's a good question. And, and, uh, and if I had to say like one of the biggest lessons really is, is looking back on it is that it was a huge advantage because I did start in the trenches and I, I went on to just rehab individual houses by myself. I had guys that would work for me um you know i mean these were some pretty low level guys and i would just figure out how to rehab a house um and in the beginning that really saves you a lot of money it gets you started in the you know when 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 you don't have money um things are tight you got to learn how to do stuff yourself huge advantage in the beginning but i will say that over time it's actually a disadvantage and that is when you're used to doing everything yourself and fixing, working on the job, swinging a hammer, in the end, it turns out to be a disadvantage because um, really that's not the highest and best use of your time. And so you do have to transition away from it if you want to continue to grow. So ultimately, um, after I built up a rental portfolio um, and what, what ended up happening was, is, uh, I, I, COVID kind of forced my hand. Uh, Pre-COVID, uh, I would still do a lot of the work myself. We would just continue to add one property after the next, after the next. And I think we were up to maybe 35 units at that time. Um, but COVID hit and, you know, we all forget now, but back at the very beginning, it was, it was pretty scary. And I figured none of the tenants were going to pay me. And my plan, I was like, I don't know that I thought I figured all the students, as soon as they canceled school, I figured everyone was going to go home. All my tenants would be out of the house. And I thought the parents would just be like, we ain't paying. Well, we're not even there. Uh, I just assumed that would happen. Um, so my plan was to board up all the houses in Akron and start flipping houses. This was my plan that I came up with. And so we started flipping houses and in flipping, if you're going to do, if you're going to scale at any point to get to your a long winded answer here, if you're going to scale, uh, you really have to 
find other guys to do the labor. And that is what happened. We started to scale the flipping business. And when we started to scale that, we, we started using contractors. Um, and so I still do some repairs. You know, I still, uh, I still go in and, and uh, on the rental properties in particular. I don't do a lot on our flips. I manage the flip and I manage the contractors. So I'm kind of like a general contractor in that sense. I have subs underneath me. Um, but that's kind of what finally broke me away from uh, swinging a hammer is, is really the flipping business. Yeah, I agree. And I, I saw you go through that transition during COVID and COVID made us, it forcefully transitioned us into a new phase of life, each individual person. But I just wanted to ask, I know we're in the theme of asking about your origins, so sticking with that, outside of college, I know that you worked a nine to five, but you did have some rental properties on the side. So how did you fit the time in to rehab those properties and then rent them and also go to your nine to five? Yeah, so that, um, and I did for a really long time. I did have my nine to five, so I had a, a degree in finance and so I was in, um, for a long time, I was a mortgage originator. So I was helping, I was in, I'm still in real estate because I always wanted to be tied to real estate. I knew ultimately I wanted to be there. I also uh, uh, got into financial planning. I was helping, uh, had clients that we were doing financial planning work for. So, you know, I did have a, a career and in, in, in regular, regular nine to five. Um, you know, at the beginning, I'm going to say I didn't do anything smart, but what I did was I just was a grind. And that's the beautiful thing about real estate is that, uh, you know, there, anybody could really do it. Truthfully, anybody could do it because I'm not like a kid that got the best grades. I'm not that, but I did try extremely hard. Um, one of our properties, you know, I, 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 I ultimately, I had just sold this property um maybe six months ago and it was a property i bought it at auction in 2008 um for peanuts and i didn't back then i didn't have anybody working for me in 2008 i still had a job i would get up in the morning i would try i would try to be at the house at four o'clock in the morning i would work till about 7 30 about eight o'clock i had my suit and tie with me I had keys to my buddy's uh, mom's um, in-law suite in her house. There was a, a basement that had a, a little apartment in the basement and no one was in that apartment, but she gave me keys so I could go shower and I'd throw my suit on. I would go work from nine to five and then I'd go back to the property till about 10. And, uh, and I just kept doing it over and over and over again. And it sucked, it really did. And I, there probably is a much a smarter way to do it, but that's how I did it. You know, um, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I, um, you know, things were tight and I did, you, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And um, probably looking back on it, you know, would I do that again? Well, if I had to, I, I guess I would, if that's what, if that's all, the only option I had, but I think there's probably smarter ways to do it. The problem I have is that with with people today when I talk about this is that looking for a smarter way 
and, and continuing just searching for a smarter way is not better than my way. If you find a smarter way and you do it, then it might be better. But my way worked. So at the end of the day, you have to do what works for you. You know, and some I see a lot of people just they're listening to these kinds of podcasts or just digging for information. It's that old paralysis by analysis or still searching, still searching. They want to find a better way. They want to find a better way. All while there might be another person getting up at four o'clock in the morning and grinding it out. You got to you got to figure out what's going to work for you. And um, at the end of the day that, you know, that's kind of what worked for me at that time. And that's how I build up those early houses. I, I just, it was nights and weekends and um, committing to doing it. The other thing is, is when you're broke, you don't really have a choice and you're young, you have a lot of energy. So do it young, do it when you're young. Um, you know, that's the biggest, looking back, the number one advantage is I started when I was young, you know, in my early, early twenties, that's when I started and I bought my first house. Um, and you cannot outsmart decades of time in real estate you know time is a huge uh wind in your sail and that's kind of the same advice that i've heard from a lot of other people who are in real estate from their 20s and 30s and i asked them like what what is something you regret about your early real estate investing days and they always say that i wish i didn't buy more and if you hold properties for a long time whether they're purchased in cash or financed, eventually they're going to grow in value. They're going to get paid off and you're going to have an asset sitting there that number one, it's a hedge against inflation, which we we learned about in the last couple of years, but it also sets up a nice retirement. So kind of along those lines too, what was your strategy when you first started in terms of financing or funding the properties? And has that shifted to the point where you're at now? So, um, yeah, it does change over time. Definitely changes over time. In the beginning, um, I would take owner occupied owner. Well, let's back up. Number one, I fixed my credit. My credit was all messed up because of what happened uh, with the landscaping business. So I got my credit straightened around. Um, I also I had a, I in my nine to five, I made decent money. So I had an income that was consistent and pretty decent, and I had good credit at that point. So those are the two fundamentals, obviously, to get a loan. So what I did was I would buy a property, I would owner-occupy it, and six months later, I would buy another property and owner-occupy that. And I stacked up very small, I, I put as little money down. I was taking conventional loans, 3% down, 100% financing sometimes, and I just stacked them up as many as I could do, as quick as I could do until the bank said no. Now, ultimately, they didn't say no for a long time. That was probably a little bit of luck. Um, and it was a little bit of good fortune based upon where lending was. Lending is a pendulum, right? It swings, it underwriting with mortgages swings from very, very tight in bad times to very, very loose underwriting in good times. Uh, at the point of that, where I was in the in that economic swing, we were in very loose underwriting. Um, this is pre 2008. This is before they locked, you know, they really tightened up um, credit standards. And so I could take owner occupied loan after owner. I think I lived in seven houses or eight houses in, in five years or something. 
it was, you know, and I just kept doing that. And I, now I would move to, from each house to the, to the next, um, and I would live in them, but I would meet the bare minimum criteria to do that. Now, I don't know if you could even do that today. I, they may have tightened that up where you couldn't do that. So there, but at the end of the day, you could start, you know, I think you could probably do a couple that way. Um, and it might take, you might need a bigger gap in between, but the concept still worked. Um, I would just move houses. These are easy things to do when you're young, you're not married, take advantage of it. Um, you can, you know, it's okay to, to you know, to, to live on a, on a couch while you're rehabbing a house. Um, you could do those things. I, I don't have the same tolerance for that kind of uh, pain at this point. Uh, so, but yeah, that worked. So we financed in the beginning. I, I took a lot of loans um, and I put as little money down as possible. I also did something that I don't know that it was the best move or not, but I took 15 year mortgages. They ultimately paid, paid them. I didn't refinance. I didn't keep refinancing. I paid them down because my goal was always back then. I thought I needed $75,000 um, was my goal back then. Uh, to make 75 grand a year, I could quit my job and never work again. I mean, that's what I thought. If I got 75 grand in rent, why would I ever work again? Now that that number obviously wouldn't play out today. Um, but back then, being a single guy, I thought, man, I'd really have it made if I could do that. So uh, my goal was to pay off the properties um, in order to. Um, you know, get the all the rent out of them and to get to that number as quick as possible. So I've I've debated this both, you know, back and forth as many, many times between a 30 year and a 15 year, what would be better? 30 year notes are probably better to keep more cash flow and to buy more houses over time. Um, I didn't do it that way. I ended up with a bunch of houses that were free and clear, not the worst thing in the world either. And then um, ultimately, that drove our cash flow up to the point where we could actually start paying cash for houses additionally. So we started stacking um, houses on top with cash. Um, and, and so I didn't do a lot of financing uh, for a long time there. So it was financing in the beginning, cash in the middle. And now we're starting to lever back up a little bit. I'm getting, uh, we put some lines of credit in place. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed that uh, there's a big buying opportunity here in the next couple of years. So we're getting some lines of credit in place on our existing portfolio in the hopes that uh, we can put our arms around as many houses as possible in the next couple of years. Yeah, and that that's a great strategy because you're hearing about recession fears every day from different companies, different news outlets and all that. But I just want to ask because Obviously, you were doing this in the 90s or before the digital age really kicked in. And that era is still on the edge of the mindset to where you need to stay loyal to a company for 40 years. They'll pay you your pension or 401k, and then you'll be set for retirement. So what what was it like in that time? What were the, you, the reactions from friends and family? when you said, no, I, I don't want to accept that 40 year career and then a meager yeah. retirement. And I how mean, did people react to that? Yeah, it's true. I mean, 
uh, like your grandma, my mom, uh, thinks that, uh, you know, for a long time was like, well, John doesn't have a job, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like this was like, you know, like, uh, like her only son, mom always, you know, I think for a while they were, well, John, almost like John's not working. Like, you know, well, no, mom, I'm working pretty hard. Uh, you know, so there is some reality to that. Um, I just, you know, my dad got laid off, uh, at, and I saw what, you know, he worked for the same company as extremely loyal. And when he was probably in his uh, early fifties, uh, the economy turned and he got laid off. Um, and I just looked at that and I thought, wow, that was like a stark reality for me. I thought I will never let that happen. I will never be, I will never give my life to something or someone or some institution that isn't willing to give me the same back. And ultimately that's, you know, um, you know, the, the corporation back then, probably still to this day, they want you to commit your life to them, but that's not an equal trade. Um, they're not committing back. And especially with the, you know, you don't even have pensions anymore back then, at least they had a little bit more of a commitment. Um, so for me, I think that happened, you know, I was supposed to go to Kent state, um, and, I was going to go to Kent and, and live uh, there. And then dad got laid off. And so I lived at home my first year and went to Akron. Um, loved Akron. Ended up moving off campus and, and staying at Akron. But that was a, I was 18 years old. Saw dad go through that. Uh, that was a, a trying time for mom and dad. And, I, and, and that's kind of what hit me. And I just said, no thanks. I'm never, I will never let that happen. Um, so I think that was a big driver for me. Um, now I've also always, I don't know how or why, but I've always been entrepreneurial mowing grass when I was a kid and other little businesses always had that mindset, um, of, of trying to start a business and what's the next business and that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's wonderful. And I've I've heard the story before from Grandpa himself, and it it is a when that reality hits, you either suffer with it or you grow from it. And it's you yeah. obviously grew from it. So you mentioned earlier how you're preparing for a certain housing crash or a great buying opportunity. What exactly um, have you done to prepare? I know you said you opened some lines of credit, but how exactly yeah. do you position yourself and what's your end strategy for such a time? So, so right now we have two businesses. Um, we have a flipping business and we have a, a rental uh, business. So, um, you know, what am I doing to prepare? Number one, uh, we're really, you know, I was probably, um, did we own a business? Well, we had a lot of assets. We had a lot of real estate, but the business side of it was my, my wife and I, and um, it's just, everything fell on us. So we're trying to build out a team, a small team. So that's step number one is to, to try to build out a small team. I don't foresee this being a big operation. Um, I think we can own a lot of real estate and with a small team. So we've hired, um, and I have an office manager. I have some office space 
and the office manager is really helping us to um, just get rid to, to help manage some of the the day-to-day -day stuff that pulls me out of the business and kind of into the minutiae. So, um, so that is one of the things is really trying to get ready in this in what might be the lead up to uh, an opportunity in the market. Um, and so we're trying to streamline and get really, really intentional about the business and, um, and figuring out all of our processes so that we can continue to scale. So, you know, for 20 some years, our entire business was right here. I had it all in my head and it worked on a small level. And then as you continue to grow, you got to take it out of here and put it on paper and get it in, into a process that someone else can do. And so that's a struggle. I mean, that for me, um, that over the, you know, really trying to grow into that has been tough, but we're, we're really making some headway at it. Um, and so that would be the biggest thing so that we have more capacity because you've got to build, not only do you have to build economic capacity, the ability to finance or fund, right? You have to build that capacity, but you've got to build the capacity to do the work. So you've got to have the labor, you've got to have the team in place because you start getting into, into larger numbers where you're, you know, our goal would be to flip 20 houses in a year and then continue to grow the rental portfolio. Um, and it's a lot of moving parts that, that I'm not going to, I've realized I'm not going to be able to manage it myself anymore. I can't, I can't, you know, heck, I used to turn all the utilities on, turn all the utilities off, follow up on all the rent, do every single thing. There's a lot of that work that, um, you know, it, it is extremely important, um, but there's other people that can help you with it. So that's, we're trying to grow the capacity in terms of uh, team in order, uh, if this, if, if this if this opportunity presents itself. If it doesn't, I don't care. We're still buying houses. At the end of the day, there's deals in every single market. It doesn't matter what the market's doing. If the market's up, you're you're you know, there's still deals to be had. If the market's down, there's more deals to be had. Um, so either way, we'll keep doing deals. I just want to be ready to um, you know, ever there's a lot of people that think this. Uh, I tend to think it, but at some point in the future, whether it's in the next six, it could be in six months, it could be in three months, but it might, it might not be for five or seven years. You'll never get the timing right. Um, but when it happens, it could be a huge, massive opportunity if everything plays out the way it could. I'm not smart enough to know it. I just want to be prepared for it if it happens. And if it doesn't happen, I still win. We're still growing our business. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think a big aspect, too, of building the team out is allowing you to devote your time to the its highest and best use, but also allow you to kind of take take a step back and maybe relax a little bit if if, if that's something that's that's part of your vocabulary. But I, I'm curious, too. So we, we've covered a lot from your beginnings to where you are now. but Along with the things that you mentioned, is there one piece of advice that sticks out that you wish you would have known when you were, say, our age? Oh, like, you know, I guess 
like the big the biggest piece of advice um i'm kind of thinking about a couple things right now um but you know that there's a lot you're going to meet a lot of people that are um that they want to do this they want to do something anything in their life and they and it's a lot of talk the doers are the ones um that that end up ahead and it's not and by do i don't even mean they have success i mean even if it's failing that's still doing failing is still doing and so the people that are taking action the people that are that are that are uh, taking chances uh they don't have to be huge uh but you do have to incur some risk and, and whenever you're you're doing you are taking risks so my biggest thing is to start doing as soon as you can and and you know whatever that looks like start taking action um so that's number one because i still have friends you know i had a conversation with a friend this week and we were talking he got one of uh we do a lot of direct mail to market um to buyer or sellers you know and he got one of my postcards uh, and he called me and he, and he said to me he's like you know looking back i really should have watched closer what you were doing um and and i should have done it and i said well i said here's the thing number one you could have but you didn't but that doesn't mean that you can't today you know and the reality is is that i've known this this person and and uh you know i don't think he's really in the spot to do it i'm not sure he will do anything but the reality is like at some point you got to take action you've got to start doing the sooner the better so that's number one and then number two is um you know i bought a lot of real estate that i bought it in conventional ways i would build relationships uh through real estate agents and these kinds of things um it's only been in in terms of uh recent years that i really started to understand marketing direct to seller um, and the power behind that. And I would say that you're, you know, the old, the old adage of all your money is made in real estate when you buy the property is very, very true. You have to learn how to get great deals. Those great deals in a market like we're in today are 100% off market. So you have to learn how to get off market deals. And the sooner you do that, the better. Relationships are huge um you know real estate agents all these things help but finding out how to go direct to seller is extremely powerful and i wish i would if, if i really would have understood that uh earlier in my career i think we'd be even having a more of a, a very different conversation today i think i'd be in a much different spot yeah understanding under understood but i just want to ask how have you seen the the market of actual real estate investors increase over time and what effect has that had on the actual deals that you come upon? Yeah, it's huge right now. I mean, everybody wants to be a, a real estate investor. It's been easy, frankly. I mean, the, the, the worst business people have made a killing in the past couple of years if they could find a deal. You know, that's the only thing you really had to do because the house would always would sell itself. You could do a terrible rehab, a horrible remodel. You could screw everything up. You could blow your budget. You could take longer than your timeline um, showed. 
and you could still win. I mean, that was, you know, that that's what happened during COVID. Um, so there's a ton of people out there looking for houses uh, right now. That will change. This is a pendulum too. The amount of real estate investors was huge in 2008. And then they got the market slammed them down. They put their tail between their legs and they went running and it was wide open. Nobody had cash. Uh, the banks weren't lending and real estate was a terrible investment in 2008. That's what you were hearing from everyone. Um, so all the investors went away and it became very easy. The flip side of that is, is when it gets easy to buy houses, it's hard to sell houses. You're never going to have a perfect balance. Right now, it's really hard to buy houses, but it's super easy to sell. You got to figure it out, right? So, um, yeah, it's definitely more difficult right now to, to get a great deal. Um, you're, you have a lot more competition, uh, but it doesn't matter. It really, it truly doesn't. You have to look past that. And, you know, most of the competition, um, they're not that good anyway. They're not consistent. That's another thing is, is consistency. That's where the big, that's where the real money is made, especially in marketing, um, is that you got to keep doing it. You just have to not, you have to put it on autopilot and you've got to keep marketing to sellers. Absolutely. And I want to refer to a conversation that we had about last week and looking ahead, we all know that artificial intelligence has already taken the world by storm. And I just want to know if you have any plans to utilize it in your own business and how you see that affect um, making your life easier or your contractor's lives easier or anything like that. Quite honestly, I have um, uh, 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 Jasper open right here beside me and I haven't come up with none of this as my ideas. I've just been reading the screen. I just let it, I'm just reading that my teleprompter, I don't, none of these thoughts are even my own. So, no, I mean, how am I going to use it? I don't know, Josh. I think it's a good, good question. I'm, I'm just looking at my day to day. We, we keep, we use a, um, we use a project management tool. It's called ClickUp. And um, uh, so it just lists your tasks. Like if, if, a, if, a, if a property, you buy a property and it's in contract, and we have templates and it's like, okay, here's the 72 things that need to happen in the next three weeks to get this property from in contract to close. And so uh, my wife who's in the business every day with me and does all my back office and accounting work and books and everything. I was showing her chat GPT and, uh, and we were just playing with it. And I was like, this is, it is mind blowing. But then we looked over and ClickUp was open and I was, and I looked at it and I was like, except it can't do a single thing on this list yet. Like it does everything you look at it, it just doesn't, it's not going to help you with it. So I've given it a lot of thought. Um, the best use I could think of right now is I'm a terrible blog post writer. I know our website needs more regular blogs. I think there's a really small window. I mean, if you think if Google's going to have a problem on its hand, I, this is definitely not my wheelhouse, but Every single website is going to be 700 pages big now with all this blog material and all these words. And right now in the world, we have a problem. And that is that getting information um, 
is not, it's super easy, but getting the right information is very difficult. So you can Google something and you have a, a mass of information, you have all this information, but your mind, you have to sort through it all. This is going to make that problem even worse, I think, because you're just going to have more and more sources and more and more information. And, and my webpage, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, for, for, for five years, I've known that we need consistent, regular blog posts to help us rank organically. Well, I just put in the chat GPT. I said, give me ideas for blog posts based on this website. It gives me 10 ideas. Then I said, write that idea. And we can just start posting these immediately. Everybody's going to do that. And now, you know, that might have some advantage for the next six months to a year. But after that, where are we? We've got bloated websites. It's going to be difficult to find information because there's just going to be more of it. So long story short, I don't know how it helps me yet. Um, I've been reading, reading about it a little bit. Seems to be, um, it's going to be powerful. Uh, it's going to change some stuff. I don't know. At the end of the day, I feel like this face-to-face -face interaction is where business is done best. So I'm not, I don't know what impact it's going to have, but it's, it's not going to change what we, the dialogue that we have right here in my mind. Um, it might actually make this kind of stuff, relationships, even that more valuable. Yeah, only time will tell. So I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah. But um, going forward, we love to ask a couple questions to our guests, um, yeah. just working through the sign-off process on here. So I want to start with, what is your number one goal for 2023? Yeah, you could have warned me on that. Yeah, I mean, no warning. I'm your uncle. No warning, nothing. You know, Sorry. No, my number one goal for 2023 is pretty simple. I mean, we have some specific um, like revenue goals and number of house goals, but really it's to build a very small and efficient team. Um, and and so that moving forward, there's uh, more than just Jess and I in the business. And we have a, a team and we have some some folks and in place. And I'm, and I'm going to say probably... We we have one uh, an office manager in place. We might have one more person, but I think that at the end of this year, if we had that team in place, um, I would be pretty happy. Awesome. And following with that, what book do you recommend that everyone reads? I mean, I, you know, what's the first book that I read that kind of got me interested in real estate? And it's going to be a huge shock to everybody. You know, rich dad, poor dad. But um, so, yeah, it's kind of required reading. Um, but uh, let me look over here of a book that would be something that's different. You know, I read when I was in my in my twenties. I read a lot of like Anthony Robbins, um, Tony Robbins' stuff, Unlimited Power, and stuff like that. Um, and so, I think that that was a really good book for me. There's 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 a ton. Not, nothing's that's old. That, that's like reaching back though. That's old school. But I think it's probably timeless. I would say anything in that personal development space of just understanding that. You know, you can stretch yourself further. Most people kind of uh, don't really realize how far they can stretch themselves. I did read, I don't know, did we ever talk about this, Josh? 
uh, I'm looking at David Goggins's book, and you know that didn't apply to me because I I don't I would never train like that guy or do anything that was that physical uh, in terms of athletics, but it just made you think what's possible. If that's possible, if that guy can do that um, and run those ultra marathons and do, you know, do all the stuff that he does. Um, and that's your physical body. What, what are you capable of up here? You can really stretch that. So I don't know. I'm not, I wish I was a better reader. I, I, uh, I'm not, um, I did read more when I was younger, but um, right now I'm in the, I'm started who not how. So that's my latest book. I've, I, I'm not done with it yet. It's by Dan Sullivan. And it's obviously about building that team of, uh, you know, who, who are the people that we can put in place to really help us grow. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Next time you have me on, we'll, we'll talk about how that book was. <laughs> Let's hope you get through it because I know, you know me, I wish I was a better reader too. And I know a lot of us listening think the same thing. Yeah. So moving on, who do you recommend we have on the show? If we were to have anyone, your favorite person to listen to on your podcast or author or anything like that? Uh, I would definitely say you need to have Grant Cardone on. I mean, probably quick, pretty quick here in the next couple of weeks. Go for that. Um, if you can't get him on, um, then uh, – who would I have, would I recommend? Um, you know, I follow a lot of pretty famous people that, uh, um, you know, in the social media world, but I'd have to think, I think that there's a lot of um, people that uh, once you start tying in, a lot of local guys that are, are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, you know, um so there could be a, a couple of guys that i could refer to, to you guys um but they just have similar stories uh you know as me so i don't have anyone specific off the top of my head other than grant i would definitely call grant yeah we'll we'll make a note to do that then for sure <laughs> one day hopefully soon yeah so our final question how can our listener listeners get in contact with you uh they can um, they can always uh, go to our, our um, student housing website, which is rootownrentals.com, and our contact information's on there. Um, they can uh, email me direct at mccabeohio at gmail.com. So if they have any questions, I'd you know love to entertain them. And, and, and you know, I always will try because of what happened to me when uh, when I was young and I had a mentor. Um, I'm always happy to help answer any questions because I really feel like that was such a game changer for me is, is the friendship that I developed with, uh, my mentor, Dave, and he showed me everything that he could do to help, help me out. So I've always thought it's the right thing to do to try to pass that along. So anybody's got questions, I'm happy to do my best and try to help. Awesome. We appreciate that. And we, our listeners appreciate that too. So John, Uncle John, thanks for coming on today. It was a great conversation. We really appreciated having you and look forward to the next meeting, hopefully, too. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. We appreciate the knowledge you shared. And I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. The mentorship is huge. Like all, all the people that have helped me along the way, including yourself, just sharing knowledge, sharing experiences. It's very valuable. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, John. All right, guys.
Have a good night. You too. You too.